Speaking of fighting words, Sandra makes a fatal mistake. <laughs> she looks out the window. No. <laughs> It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything we love. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. And it's Vixen's Run. Vixen's Run. Just remember, if uh, the show and its gross sex sounds are too much for your kids. If your kids can handle Mr. Toad, they can handle the episode. Yeah, pretty that much. Rhymed. Yes. Hey. Woo! Mr. Toad. But before we get into it, we got some top five business to take care of. Yes. So the Midsummer Murders global top 50 top five are the following. Ghost of Christmas Past, as we mentioned last week, right? Mm-hmm. Number four, Axeman Cometh. That's a good one. Number three, The Ghost of Costin Abbey. Oh, yeah. Number two, The House in the Woods. Dun, dun, dun. Which, How can that be? Well, I got to say, I feel like we need to be nice to the Midsummer people because, wow, the comments online about that episode. Woo, doggy. They made the express. Yeah. <laughs> It may be, I, I would consider it to my on my top five just because it's fun to talk about because we think that Barnaby may have arrested the wrong person. And that makes it fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about, but it's not top five episode. Yeah. Okay, keep going. And number one, as we all know, Badger's Drift. Yeah. I think choosing Badger's Drift as your top is kind of a cop out. I don't. Is it your top one? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. We've kept these lists secret from one another. Yes, we have. So this is our top five. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go five, five, four, four, three, three, two. Before we start, though, I have to ask you, do you have any John Barnaby episodes? Yes, I have one. So do I. Okay. Ah, I wonder if it's the same one. We'll see. Yep. Okay. What is your number five? Dark Autumn. Oh. <laughs> you just like that music. I love that cold opening. Mm-hmm. I love how weird and wild it is. The postman, it's, you know, feeling up ladies. Yeah, it is definitely the first of the, well, he's just batshit crazy episodes. My number five is Judgment Day, season three, episode three. Judgment Day. You just... You can't go wrong with a perfect village competition in a midsummer. With Legolas. Yeah. I mean, it's just, no, no, no. Yes. Yep. Um, sorry, I had to look at my notes because I get them all mixed up in my head. But I just think that is kind of a quintessential midsummer event. It definitely so is good. It definitely has the best cold opening. And it has Joyce caught up in something with people dying around her. And yeah. So yep. it, it's a good, uh, it, it's representative of yes. Midsummer. Okay, what's your number four? The Magician's Nephew. I thought about that one. Why? I really like the guy who plays the magician. Yeah? I like that actor. I like the, the, the theme of magic. The daughter is Looney Tunes. I like all the, the different parts of it. What season is that? 
I don't have it off the top of my head. I think it's 10. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's 10. So we're coming up on oh, it. Oh, yeah. We're coming up on it. My number four is the incident at Cooper Hill. Oh. Season 18, episode two. So what is that one? It's the one um, where the, I think she's a military woman, is on a forest road alone and she sees strange lights. Oh, the UFO one. The yes. new UFO one. Yes. Because I think they're playing on the Rendlesham Forest story in that one. Okay. They're kind of alluding to it a little bit. And I think that's really fun. Okay. And so it's th- another one where like the villagers thinks it's UFO. What's going on? You know, it's it has of, a big tunnel in it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's your new, new one. Yeah. Okay. That's my number four. Number What's your four? number three? My number three is Drawing Dead. It is the comic book convention yeah. with Bill, Bill Bailey. Bailey. <laughs> I, I simply can't take comic books, Bill Bailey, and Midsummer, put them all together and not love it. And the sergeant puts on a cosplay outfit. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. My number three is Badger's Drift. Oh. Season one, episode one. It's the, in my top five, but it's not my top the number one. The killings at Badger's Drift, if you want to get the whole name yes. in. Yes. Okay, what's your number two? Number two, the greatest dead body of all time, Electric Vendetta. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put that one in my list just because I knew you would. I love that episode. The dead body in the crop circle. And Lloyd is fun with his UFOlogy yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, it's all yeah. great. My number two is Last Year's Model, Season 9, Episode 8. And it's the one where Tom reinvestigates an old crime about a woman killing her best friend. Oh, yes, it's coming up. It's coming up. It's a different uh, narrative structure than any other episode. And that's why I like it. He comes to arrest her at the beginning. Yeah, plus it's him thinking about himself as a younger policeman. Yep. And... And it's just, it's a good crime, too. She's in the dock and everything. It's very dramatic. I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. What's your number one? Number one for me has to be Killings of Badger's Drift. The quintessential Midsummer episode. So much gets set up in that episode right from the very first shot. I think it's iconic. I don't think it's quintessential. (laughs) Because if if somebody has never seen Midsummer before and you have them watch that one, as their first episode. It is too much for most people. <laughs> now, we have a friend. His name is Joshua. We tried to get him into the show. He says Badger's Drift is boring and nothing happens. <laughs> I don't know what his man watches on TV, but he said he couldn't get into it. It was too slow. Wow. All right. My number one. Is Talking to the Dead, Season 11, Episode 7. Talking to the Dead. It's the one that starts out with the postman delivering post, and the two couples in two houses have just disappeared. Oh, Breakfast is hot and on the table, and they're gone. Really? You like that one? Yeah, I do. I hate the psychic. I just... I. Dislike him. I I like that one a lot because I like the fact that... It kept me guessing, and it's such a great setup. But like, isn't that the one where the murder, the first murder, and I think the only murder doesn't happen to like 40 minutes into the episode? I don't care. I like one my murders the, in the first five minutes. Their sons man. died in the woods years ago, and there's all this intrigue, and yep. maybe he's not actually dead, and it's... 
Yeah. So there you go. What do you think of our top five? <laughs> You'll have to put our lists up in the show yes. notes so people can I'll, see them. I'll put our lists in the show notes. It was not an easy list to make. I could easily shuffle any of those. I could shuffle yours into my list easily yeah. and swap Judgment them out. Judgment Day was on my list and off my list and on my list. Uh, that The wine bottles and the TV and the... Yeah, that I mean, was they on. are psychopaths, but the murder methods are so innovative. It's so fun. I know that makes yep. me sick, but it's fun. Yeah. There's <laughs> so. just so... There's too many. Yeah. Too many. There's too many good ones. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's our list. See how it compares to your list. So, uh, Midsummer Murders, the official accounts are going to have some behind the scenes thing, I think Monday. Oh, cool. With a special guest about this. So, that'll be nice. Yeah. So, keep your eyes peeled for that. The, um, the clickbait this week. Okay. Uh, was all about revamping the whole why John Nettles left. Yeah. And we all know why he left. He was getting older and it was tiring. And he didn't want to be the oldest. Detective on TV. He was ready to hand it over while the getting was good. Yeah. There's nothing more to it than that. Yeah. So that was one clickbait. The other one was, oh, the next season will be so delayed. It may never happen, which was all stemming from just a story saying, yeah, they're delaying filming because of the coronavirus. Ta-da. You know. Insert any show here. Yeah, exactly. Like... So, with movies and television, we are going to be delayed a year on things, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we're starting to see some really bottom-of-the-barrel shows airing on TV. Floor is Lava! Yeah. (laughs) Like Floor is Lava on Netflix, right? That's where it's... Yeah, it's on Netflix where you win a lava lamp. If you don't fall in the lava water. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> dun, dun. It's like, hey, here's a season of a show that we paid for and we decided it sucked, so we were never going to air it. But now we're out of content, so let's air it. But wait, there's more content. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it should be fun over the next few months just to see what uh, what the, the networks and the online channels just dig out of the bottom of their underwear drawer to put online. I think we're going to see a lot of kind of YouTube shows where there's one person in a camera recording about something. Yeah. And they can film it wherever. Whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Tom Scott will get a network show on BBC or something. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. If you're not watching uh, Sandy Talks Vig's YouTube videos. Um, they're fantastic. They're awesome. It's just her talking to the camera about this date in history. And she's just so wonderful. And Stephen Fry was doing some baking stuff. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but yeah. Yeah. Watch that. Yeah, all kinds of people doing great stuff. All right, ready for Vixen's Run? Yes. Season 9, episode 3. The Run of the Vixen. The Vixen owns the run. Yes, <laughs> it is possessive. It is possessive. But it could also describe the way a female fox perambulates. That is the Vixen's Run. Yes. Unlike a silly walk, it's yes. the Vixen's Run. Yes, that's true. Haddington, filmed July and August 2005. Uh, you can tell it's warm outside. Mm-hmm. Podcast date, 5 March 2006. 8.9 for 
1.4 million viewers and written by Peter Smith and written uh, directed by Peter Smith and written by Michael Aikens. So unlike a lot of episodes, this is actually filmed in the month when it is set. It is set in July. Yes. So they didn't have to finagle fake flowers or fake snow or nope. anything like that. Nope. <laughs> Which I'm sure they appreciated. We start out with... A flashback to 1953. June 2nd, 1953. Which we can just call the conception of Dickie. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. That is what it is. Yes. I, I, I thought about Dickie's conception. That's harder to say than I, the conception of it, Dickie. In, in a show that has some bad parents, like, and we saw last episode with bad parents, I kept forgetting that Annabelle was Dixie's, Dickie's mom. Yeah. Well, she never shows him any affection or anything, but who would? She never shows anybody, but she never, like, even is close. Like, I don't think they have a scene together. Okay. We're going to spoil it. Yeah. She's the killer. Yes. And yet, she is the most, I'm going to say, cultured person of the gang. <laughs> She's Absolutely. She is considerate. She is polite. She goes out of her way to make people more comfortable. She's way better than Mickey and or Dickie. There's the old saying that manners are the art of ensuring that other people are comfortable. Yeah. Right? And she's good at that. I would say so. Even with people that she obviously doesn't like because she later shoots her in the head. Yep. But she does make the effort. Kablamo. <laughs> So we get, uh, we have the conception of Dickie. Yes. Where we see Annabelle and Henry York doing their thing in Amos's cottage. But we, do, we don't know who this right. is. We don't know we at know that, that time. Amos sneaks in to hear the most boring sex sounds of all time. Well, and I understand that Amos is their groundskeeper and lives in that cottage because they allow him to. Mm -hmm. Yet, I don't think I would be okay with my employer saying, I need you to clear out of your living space for a while because I'm going to have sex with someone in your bed. Yeah, of all the jobs I've had, I I have never been asked that. There is a limit to the subservience. Yes. That you can show someone who who has a title. But but as long as they don't have green eyes, Amos doesn't care. <laughs> and then we get this wackadoodle modern day street scene that starts with the trash can. Yes. And ends with the widest array of extras that they could put in a street. Okay, in the first two shots of this episode, so the old episode of the... The flashback. The Inception of Dickie. Conception. Flash, conception. It's not Inception of Dickie. It's like a Dickie inside a Dickie inside of a Dickie. <laughs> Dickieception. And it's not an immaculate one either. Yes. Um, there's so many extras and trucks and vehicles and blah, da, 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 da. Man, this place is busy. And they also got their extras in, in pairs. Yeah. So they've got a pair of hippie chicks, a pair of, you know, housewives, a pair of runners. Okay. A pair of businessmen. Stop. <laughs> Those people who run, and I use that in quotation marks, past the camera are not actually running. But she had on a fanny pack. And they they don't have running clothes on, and they don't know how to run. Well, they're doing their best to dodge the hippie chicks. I guess so. I think it's to, to give us um, that that one kind of block or two of Costin 
has Henry York's office. It has Jenny's bookshop. Yeah. Um, it has the jewelers. It's like, and these are the businesses that will be involved in this episode. Yes. I think that's the purpose of that scene. I think so. Otherwise, I don't understand why it's there. Oh, it's, and it's summer. Everybody is dressed in summer clothes. It's all stage setting and time has passed setting. Everybody's wearing summer clothes except Tom, who's at home in his new powder pink cardigan. If he's at home, where's everybody else? Church. I... I Joyce and Cully. Joyce and Cully are at church. Yeah. And who else is at church but Freddie? Mr. Toad. So Freddie, played by Joss Ackland, eats up all the scenery that he's in. They have to kill him off early. Otherwise, it's the Freddie Butler show. It is. <laughs> he, he is... I, I really would like to know how much of his dialogue is improvised versus scripted. I don't know because it's the Rosers egad. Yeah, he he is uh, Irish stew. Irish stew in the name of the law. Yeah, come meet the coven. <laughs> I love that one. Oh, and he says that uh, Sandra is like finding a hippo in your carp pond. <laughs> <laughs> he's just every time he opens his mouth, he's awesome. He's fantastic. He's played by Josh Ackland, who is a fantastic dude on top of it all. Oh, yeah. Right? He's been in a gazillion thing. Probably the most popular thing he was in was Lethal Weapon 2. Mm-hmm. He plays uh, the baddie. In he's Lethal. a bad German guy, isn't he? No, he's South African. Oh, that's right. So in the 50s, he left England and went to Kenya for a while to work on a plantation. And then he went to... South Africa for a while, and then he came back to be in the royal. He does the accent very well. Yeah. And that's not an easy accent no. to do. It's no, a subtle no. one. No, no. He does accents really, really well. Mm-hmm. A couple of things about him. He had seven kids with his wife. Wow. Yeah, uh, the same wife. Same wife for 51 years. Oh. They di- she died in 2006 of degenerative muscular disease. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. They did not spend a night apart in 51 years. Oh, yeah. That's so romantic. So then I was like, oh, my gosh, he would be the best grandfather ever. Can you imagine him as your grandfather? Funny voices, pranks. Apparently, in Lethal Weapon 2, when they were filming it, he would prank everybody in the production and run away saying he had diplomatic immunity. (laughs) So obviously fun, goofy, over the top. So I looked into his kids and Sean Dooley is his grandson. Oh, well, he's been in everything. Yeah. So he's a, he's a blonde haired guy who was in Misfits and Mm -hmm. he's in an upcoming Midsummer where he plays one of Ben's friends from when he was a kid and he was in Gunpowder that we just recently saw. He is so deliciously evil in that show. He's very <laughs> evil. He it's got uh, Kit um, Harrington. Harrington in it, uh, Jon Snow, it's, it's, and it's about the gunpowder plot. Yeah, he plays over-the-top guys really well. Yeah, he's that same kind of cruel. Um, he's a, like kind of a parole officer in Misfits. Yes. And he's also like, he gets in their faces and gives them the what for. But the biggest thing, one of the biggest things he's did is he made a record for 
uh, to raise money for children's hospitals in England. We got all these stars like David Tennant and and uh, Jim Broadbent to sing. People who you wouldn't expect to sing. Yeah. Sing songs. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Joss Ackland, uh, Freddie. Was also in a Pet Shop Boys video. If oh, you want to see him being crazy. <laughs> oh boy, is he in a Pet Shop Boys video? He's in Always on My Mind, which is a Pet Shop Boys song. It's a cover of an Elvis song. They right? did for an Elvis uh, kind of anniversary show, and then yeah. they released it as a single. And he is so fantastically weird in that video he that I remember in- our friends, when I was growing up, me and my friends would make references to him all the time. He just gets in a car in the back seat, like like he's getting a ride from a cab. Yep. And then he just eats the scenery from the back seat of the car. He bugs his eyes out. He sings along with the music. He bounces his shoulders. <laughs> and makes no sense at all. Just lovely. You were always on my mind. It's on YouTube. Yeah. You should Google. Yeah. You should look it up and oh, watch yeah. it. Yeah. He's fantastic. I'm going to put that in the show notes for All sure. Right. Anything else on Joss Ackland before we go forward? No, other than he's awesome. He is awesome. But he also likes uh, scantily clad ladies on four by fours. Yeah. So about that, I was like, who are these people? And then I'm like, wait a minute. One of them's Jenny. Yes. And then I'm the daughter like, of the cook. Who are the other two slags? They're just no name slags. They're there selling raffle You're tickets. You're not getting past us without buying a raffle ticket. Like, ah, uh, why are you on a four by four blocking the path? Why are these huge vegetable competitions always held on the states? They're monstrous vegetables. It's. It's, it's Teddy's Monstrous Vegetable. And he's won seven years in a row. I think it may be kind of rigged. It might be kind of rigged. I think everybody sort of knows Teddy's going to win, but everybody likes Teddy, so it's okay. Teddy is, is awesome. He has the best hair. The best hair. <laughs> Period. And, and the thing is, if, if Freddie wasn't in this episode, Teddy would be eating the scenery. Yes, yeah. He's... Actually, really subdued. Yeah. Right? But sometimes he refers to himself in the third person and doesn't remember oh. yesterday. Yesterday is another country. Yeah. You know? Oh, that line about yesterday is another country is a great Teddy line. So Teddy's played by John Franklin Robbins, who is our first. Wow, that looks like a horrible movie. I bet Mark's seen it. Okay. Okay. Let's try this. He was in a movie in 1995. Called Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Oh, I've seen this movie easily 10 times. Oh my gosh. So just to give you a summary of the plot, if you've not seen this horrible movie, there's a scientist who is a relative of Dr. Jekyll. He's yes. a, he's one of his ancestors, and he creates a potion, and when he drinks it, he becomes not a monster, but a woman. But a sexy, slutty woman. A sexy, driven woman, played yeah. by Sean Young. Yes. Because that's the most monstrous thing a man could become, <laughs> right? Is a woman with her own ideas. How horrible. Yeah, absolutely horrible. And even has the transitions that are like two images flashing on top of each other. That's yeah. how he changes from one to the oh, other. It's just It's horrible. like if you blink really fast, you, you know, you would miss it. I, <laughs> Sandra is... NQOC. NQOC. Not quite our class. You know... Which is a thing that people say. You don't like Sandra at the first. I never like her. When she has the talk with Jones, I like her. No. 
she shows some vulnerability there and then she gets shot in the head. So she should be a little vulnerable. She's a blackmailer. Well, there is that. <laughs> I would feel for her if she and Dickie got married because he genuinely loved her and she was doing her best to fit in and felt like it would never work. No, no. But she got there by blackmailing Freddie and uh, gets what she deserves. And, and Freddie, the treatment, not the murder. Freddie's funny things. Yeah. Whatever that means. Oh, that's up to your imagination. <laughs> You've seen him eat. Like raisins. <laughs> So he calls everybody, he calls the coven back yep. to Haddington to make a big announcement. Okay, microphones don't do that. I know. You think you have to say that every time a microphone squeals at a fate. I do. We know it. But we don't know what the announcement is, right? No. So we've got Annabelle, who is his first wife and yes. lives in the Dowager's Cottage on the estate. Which is another multi-million dollar cottage. Oh, yeah. We've got Lucinda, his yes. second wife, yes, who didn't give him a child, no, and has come with Simon, her boyfriend, who just increasingly puts on uglier and uglier shirts. Oh, did you notice his shirts? Simon, Simon is a problem. Yes. throughout the whole episode. Then his current wife, Tara, Tara, not Tara. Tara. Or Simon calls her Taz. Taz, <laughs> uh, Tara lady. Yes. And then we have Dickie's wife, Sandra. Yeah, so Dick, Sandra isn't married to... Mr. Toad. Mr. Toad, She was his prostitute. Prostitute. Concubine. Consort and Consort. concubine. Yes. Yeah. Um, then she blackmailed him to get in with Dickie. Mm-hmm. So she's married to Dickie, his not son. Yes. The heir to the throne. Yes. Then we have Michael. Uh, Mickey. Who is Dennis Rainbird in training. And, okay. He's so creepy. Like, he's totally trying to be way more posh than he actually is. Well, Sandra and Tara, I mean, as soon as Tara loses her temper, she's back on the estate. Yeah. You know? She's yeah. back in the council houses. Yeah. Oi! And Sandra, though, yes, she's a blackmailing prostitute, does seem to be trying to better herself. Yes. But none of it's working. No. It doesn't take, right? It doesn't convince anybody. No. But, you know, wearing sleeveless sweater tank tops Ugh. with nothing on underneath them Ugh. isn't going to impress anybody. We see way too much of that woman's skin. Her bra. Yeah. Speaking of bras, Annabelle's bra in the flashback oh. is horrific. It's pointy. No, it's not just pointy. It's like baggy. Yeah. Bras were so bad back then. Yeah. They were either baggy like that or they were bullet bras. Yeah. That it didn't matter what you actually had underneath them. Actual, no actual support. No. So. No. It would just made your sweater pointy. Blech. So Freddie's going to announce... We can only assume that he's going to announce that he's giving everything to Teddy because he has no real heirs. Right. And he knows this he's now. No, he knows it now. Yes. So he's going to out Dickie and out Michael yep. and say, none of you get my stuff. It's all going to Teddy. It's all going to Teddy. Do you think that Freddie knows that Jenny is Teddy's daughter? I think that, uh, I think, first of all, that Freddie and Teddy are the two most intelligent people in this episode and they're very close they're very close and they absolutely are 
excellent at keeping things on their chest. Yes. So, yeah, I think he does. Okay. And so he knows he's going to take care of Jenny by giving the estate to Freddie. Think about it. To Teddy. Think about it. Jenny, Freddie, Teddy. So think about it. So this happened when Freddie and Teddy were younger. And so on the estate, we can assume there was their father Mm -hmm. and Freddie and Teddy. There's no other siblings. Right. So Freddie would have been like, well, it's not me. Right. Because <laughs> I know it's not me. Yeah. And they, you know, he had to assume it was either his, his uh, Their father dad. or Teddy. Or Teddy, yeah. And anyway, he took care of her. Right. Hattie is definitely taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not taking anything off of Sandra, that's Ooh, for sure. No, I'll call the tabloids on ya. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good accent. Yes. Let's talk about Freddie eating. Oh, <laughs> oh, Freddie, venison in July. It's because deer hunting season is like October to April. I know. Right? So they've had this meat laid up since <laughs> the winter, which is fine. It's fine. But like, oh, I, I'm always like, does he know how a knife works? Because... He doesn't cut that meat well at all. So I was uh, watching it probably as you did wearing headphones. Did you have headphones on while you were watching no. it? No. Okay. His slurping and burping is in really good stereo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I've got gravy in my right ear and chewing in my left and then gulping in my right and so, then belching in my left. There's some soundscape being created there. Uh, oh yeah. And it's like full screen Freddie's lips slapping yeah. away and kind of slurping on the claret and burping and slopping and <laughs> even the pudding he's like he puts his hand in it when he collapses and I love how everybody just sits at the table and looks at him and then Tara finally gets up yes and berates him and slaps and him slaps him <laughs> but Freddy's dead yeah. Freddy's dead and Georgie says it was natural causes. Yes. He had arteries like clogged drains. Yep. Tom's just looking for murder. He had a little bit of arsenic in his system, which George claims could be part of a treatment for diabetes. Yeah. I had never heard of that. No, I had never heard of that. There's diabetes in my family, yeah. and I've never heard even of like extremely low-level therapeutic doses of arsenic being good for it. Okay. The only reference I could find mm-hmm. that was pro-arsenic for diabetes yep. was in the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Medical Journal of 1873. <laughs> Georgie. And even there in the 1870s, the article is saying, well, here are five doctors who claim they've seen good results. And here are five who say they've seen bad results. So all in all, it's not an effective treatment and should probably be avoided. And that was in the 1870s. Georgie's just like, well, no, it's a fact. Everybody knows that. Yeah, 150 years ago. (laughs) I think we know Annabelle knows that. (laughs) Yeah, really. So they hand deliver the autopsy. (laughs) And Tom does something so weird here. He calls Sandra love. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. I think that's a gaffe. You think it's a mistake? I think it's a mistake. I don't remember him ever calling anybody that except maybe Joyce or Cully. And never like a servant or anything no. like that. I think it's a gaffe. 
Or because I could see the actor saying that to her, right? Being like, "I'm an older actor." Yeah, you think John Nettles could say love like that? Yeah. Or it's a reference to him subconsciously understanding that she's kind of low class. Maybe, but she launches in, especially after her whole Tara lady, Lady Tara thing. To the speech of the episode is just she does such a good job of sounding like she's done it a million times and she absolutely knows what she's talking about yeah so you know she's been like studying debrettes yeah so that she understands exactly what title she, she's entitled to i think she doesn't she wants to know what title she's entitled to and she wants to make sure that everybody knows how that she knows how to refer to everybody else mhm I, I know what I'm talking about. I deserve to be here. Yes. But doesn't understand that the trick of really knowing the rules is knowing when to break them. Yes. Especially in times of mourning. Yes. So I wanted to know... If she's right? If she's right. And Freddie was a baronet. Yeah. Right? Which is not uh, a title of blood. No. Right. Well, I mean, you can pass it down to your heirs. Baronets go all the way back to the 1400s, but with the unification of, of Scotland and Britain, they they lost some of the rules that used to apply. To this day, the only place that will allow a woman to inherit the title of a baronet is in Scotland. Oh. Otherwise, it has to be passed down the male line. That's stupid. It is the baronetage. Baronetage. Yes. So a baronet is different from a baron. Okay. Neither are peers or knights. No. Okay. They're not so, peers of the realm and they're not knights. Right. According to Debrett's quote, they constitute an entirely separate dignity of their own. Oh. The baronetage. Baronetage. So they can, it can be passed down and they were initially granted to... Men of high standing who would be given a big parcel of land and an allowance that was quite large to run that in an arrangement that they would then pay it back over time as well through taxes, as well as supporting a standing army for the king. Okay. So it was like, you're going to be the baronet of this area. So you're my man in that area. And you make sure that we've got soldiers there that are ready to go. Okay. That's your job. Okay. And in exchange, I give you this title and I put you in charge of all this. It's all yours. Okay. Right? So that's where they started. Of course, the lands have been sold off and parceled up and all that. So there's... Giant veg growing on. Very little land that now goes with a a baronet role. The last one was in 1990. And then one before that was in 64. So it's not like these are handed out very often. The last one that people think is probably the last one ever was given to Dennis Thatcher, who was Margaret Thatcher's husband. Okay. He was made a baronet, but he wasn't given a big parcel of land and asked to maintain an army. Okay. It was just a honor, honorific, right? So according to Croft's peerage. Okay. You can go to DeBretz or you can go to Croft's. The oh. thing about the title, about the terror lady. Yes. Unless Croft's, Croft's is wrong, which I don't think they are. Tara, uh, Sandra is wrong. Okay. She says that she's now Lady Tara, Lady Sandra. Yes. And that Tara, being the widow, is Tara Lady. 
Yes. When in fact, according to Crofts, she would be Lady Sandra and Tara would be Dowager Tara. And what about Annabelle? Nothing. Nothing. No. Well, you have to know that the the system of the peerage didn't really allow for divorces. No. no. If you divorce, you're out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get anything. You've just yeah. walked away from the title, right? Yeah. The widow of a baronet would have the prefix dowager, and she doesn't have to use it. However, if the widow and the new baronetess have the same first name, she has to. Oh. So if Sandra's name was also Tara, one of them would be Lady Tara and one of them would be Dowager Tara. (laughs) Which Dowager is like a little old lady. Yeah. I mean, I can't see it as anything else. No. Certainly Tara, Lucinda, and Annabelle are not Dowagers. Annabelle's close. Close. But she's obviously pretty feisty. <laughs> she lights fires and shoots people. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's, she's not a resigned old widow or anything like that. No. Um, but she would have no title at all. Jones can go into the tradesman's entrance. Well, he can wait in the staff lounge. <laughs> yeah. Or is it the staff's sitting room? He would be in sitting room. He has no like of that at all. The second time he comes back and he lays it on the line for her in the kitchen, that's not how this works. I was proud of him. I'm like, you go, Jones. Yeah. You don't let this woman, just because she has a title, tell you what to do. Jones is like, I'm a police officer. And there's been a murder. Yeah. Maybe. Because there wasn't a murder. Henry was was burned to death and they knew it. There was a murder at that point. Yeah. Uh, But... Her whole, oh, I know what I'm talking about. When she tells Tara to get up from the table, first of all, she's the last to the table, which is just rude. Yeah. You just don't do it. Yeah. They make it really clear that the men at the table do rise from their seats. Yeah, Teddy's so nice. So they do show her respect. Yeah. But I think because she's a woman, not because she's Lady Sandra. No, no, no. But when she wants Tara to move, I just, it's like... Come on, you're digging your own grave here. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as she leaves the room, everybody starts giggling except Annabelle. <sighs> Did you notice that in Henry York's office, he's got he's got papers everywhere, first yeah. of all. He's the most disorganized lawyer I've ever seen. When did you find out that he was dying? Um, at the very end of the episode. Exactly. Like he's retiring. Yeah, they should have mentioned that he had a terminal illness when Barnaby goes to see him at the first book. I don't know. He says you'll be missed. Yeah. Did you recognize him from a previous episode? No, I didn't. He was in Death in Disguise. Oh, okay. He plays Arno Gibbs. He's like the groundkeeper at the cult. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But his office, I mean, it's just ramshackle, first of all. Yeah. But did you notice all the pink ribbon? There's like a spool of pink ribbon on that. Do you know why? No. So that pink ribbon, it's a thing in in the UK legal system. Okay. So if a barrister receives instructions from a solicitor, right? So a solicitor is the person who consults with you and the barrister represents you in court. Yep. Or the other way around. It's a br- they, they call it a brief, right? A legal yeah. brief. 
The tradition is you roll it and you tie it with a pink ribbon. Why pink? Well, they have other colors for other things. Oh, okay. And nobody knows why it's pink other than maybe it's a, a faded red. Yeah. Like historically it would have been red and then it was faded and then it became it just became pink. But they don't call it ribbon, they call it tape. Even though it's not sticky. Because oh, it's okay. broad. But that's where tied up in red tape comes from. Ah, okay. Now you know. Now I know. Uh, the woman in the library sure doesn't like Lucinda. Yeah, so Henry feels no compunction to tell Tom about the will, but the librarian has no quibble at all with telling a policeman what somebody just checked out from the library. Yeah. I mean, is there no data privacy there There's at all? No data privacy. And then she slags her off by saying she's boozing for the World Eleven. Which means? Basically, she's on the World Cup of drinking. Oh. <laughs> the World Cup team of drinking. Okay, so the librarian who just exposes people's private information is criticizing somebody else for drinking. I yes. see. She seems like a gossip supreme to me. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. she never was much into poetry, and now she's got a Rupert Brooke book of poetry. So, yeah, the idea of this subplot is that Simon and Lucinda are trying to figure out the clues of Freddie's mom to find that... That emerald. The Haddington emeralds. Yes. And they, they do a good job of tr putting the clues together. They do. When Simon's not insulting Lucinda. It's never really explained why his mother would have done this. No. Or why no one else has ever found these clues. No. But you're kind of just led to believe like she was just, uh, you know, kind of troublesome or tricksy and so this is something she would have enjoyed doing and she calls lucinda calls tara a cokehead yeah. like right off the bat <laughs> they <laughs> don't lucinda especially does not hold back and no. you're right simon insults her all the time he must call her a cow five times oh which i know is not that big in the uk but man here in the u.s if anybody called a woman a cow whether it was another woman or a man calling her a cow then would be fighting words then you may as well say fat ass. Speaking of fighting words, Sandra makes a fatal mistake. <laughs> she looks out the window. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Before that, she goes, talks to Annabelle mm -hmm. and basically says, you need to move into sheltered housing, sheltered housing. <laughs> Annabelle's like, uh, where's my rifle again? No, oh, it's under my bed. See, and this is one of the mistakes that Sandra makes. She goes off half informed, right? Yeah. She thinks that she needs to have a talk with Annabelle and tell her how she needs to move out, but she doesn't have all the information. She doesn't know that Freddie's promised her that she can live in that house until she dies. Well, and that's probably in the will even the one that gives uh, Teddy, Teddy everything. everything. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rupert Brooke, the poet. Yeah. He was a World War I poet. Yeah. Best known for a, a poem called The Soldier. Yes. But the thing about him that really got to me when I was reading about him is he died from a mosquito bite. Wow. He one of the millions of people who've died from mosquitoes. Not because he contracted malaria. He got sepsis. From a mosquito bite? I know. Where the hell was he? He was in the Mediterranean somewhere. <sighs> he was part of the British Mediterranean Expeditionary Force. And in 1915, he developed sepsis from an infected mosquito bite. Ugh. 
Having had a mosquito bite on the back of my knee now for a week that's been itching like crazy, I'm like, am I going to die of sepsis? No. (laughs) From a mosquito bite. Speaking of really gross, uncomfortable things, (laughs) Dickie goes to see Jenny. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Freddie's second autopsy. No. (laughs) We'll get there. Ugh. Dickie, ah, he's shiftless. So he's Dickie brainless. is shiftless and boring, and then he gets creepy Gross. in this uh, in this part. So him and Jenny have had an affair, and at first I was like, "Is he your daughter?" And then I was like, "No," because he they're not talking like daughter. And then Dickie talks in the third person. Yeah, Jenny wants to be friends with Dickie again. Oh. Just horrendous. It doesn't help that his name's Dickie. Yeah. It always seems to be a double entendre when everybody says his name, no matter how you say it. Well, and he says that he would have married Jenny, except his dad for, forbid him to, which I was like, oh, because he knew they were siblings. Yes. And I was wrong. Yeah. But that wouldn't have been a good reason for Freddie to go, no, you can't marry Jenny because she's my yeah, daughter. Yeah. Not knowing that Dickie wasn't even his son. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been fine. And then there's a thing in the cop shop with this weird little program and a 30-year-old picture of Lucinda. Yeah. Where Tom once again goes, oh, well, it's fags and booze. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> She used to be pretty. Yeah. Look at her now. Look at her now. Fags and booze. People age, Tom. (laughs) Well, and when they show the mugshot of Simon on the computer, too, it's very strange. It's just a weird program. It's weird everything. Yes. Uh, Jenny wants to be friends with Dickie again. And then I was just sort of married. So then there's the (laughs) weird subplot of Jenny wanting Jones. And Jones, for some reason, being like, nope. Um, maybe because she's a suspect. Hopefully. That's a good reason. Hopefully. To stay away from her. He still salsa dances with her. Oh, boy, does he salsa dance. He's a fantastic salsa dancer. She's Why not. Why is there a salsa dancing scene in this episode? When you see her, she's dancing with another woman over on the other side yes. of the room. And they're just like swinging their hands. Da, 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 da. Everybody oh, around them is like Jones. cha-cha-ing everywhere. Well, there's the two that are obviously the leaders of the salsa. Oh, the one black guy in the room? Yes. Who's obviously a professional dancer. <laughs> and sticks out like a sore thumb with all the white people. So the the salsa dancing night. We are is, pro-diversity. Is that? Lots of people have said there should be more diversity in this show. Yes. But when there's only one black person in the entire episode, you notice. Yes. And we should notice. So There should be more. It's at the hotel where Simon and Lucinda are staying. Right. Right. Um, and there's a sign, and that hotel is called The Swan. Yes. And there's a, the, the, the landlord's putting it up. Mm-hmm. But that sign appeared in another episode. What episode? Episode uh, 30, Bad Tidings. The Salsa Night, the same text is on it and everything. Is there a date on it? I don't know. I'll have to check, but I think... Surely oh, no, not. No, the, it says every Thursday, 8 to 10. Oh, okay. At the Swan. At the Swan. Cha-cha-cha. Henry's office gets ransacked. Yes. But, you know, it's okay because he keeps a second copy at home. In a fireproof safe? No. Oh. You know, just wherever, somewhere. <laughs> like, not in a lockbox at the bank or in a safe at home. 
I thought at that point in time, and when she breaks into Henry's house, I'm like, does Henry have a wife? No. No. Or a dog. No. No. What he does have is a bedroom door that locks from the outside. That doesn't work. That doors, doesn't make any sense. I have a sense. note that says doors don't work like that. No. And he like He's tries got to get a the latch. He tries to get the latch open and it's, The latch makes sense. That would be from the inside yes. to say no one can come in my bedroom. Yes. But a lock that can be locked from the outside with a key that's just hanging in the kitchen that's just asking and for it. My first thought was, there are a lot of keys on there. How does she know which one is the right key? Annabelle may have some experience with Henry's house. She oh, did sleep with him the one time. Maybe. Back in 1953. <laughs> if I were him, I would have jumped out that window right away. Yeah. But instead... He backs out of it slowly. On fire. Yes. I mean, there's a whole bunch of bushes down there anyway. Just dive out. Oh, and then we have the return of the screaming camera from the house in the woods. So they show pictures of the autopsy with no, this weird noise on top of it. It's Henry's body on oh, a yes, blue tarp. Yes, that's right. And they're like freeze frame. Yep. And every time they show one, there's this, there's this, in the back. What Wait is that? <laughs> I cannot believe we are this far in this episode, and we have not talked about the near constant peacock and fox sounds <laughs> like this, <laughs> and like this, and like this. <laughs> oh, don't forget this. They are constant in this episode. The foxes, I understand. We actually see them. We never see a peacock. <laughs> But they're there somewhere. Man, the sound designer is like, more peacocks, more peacocks. <laughs> somewhere around the edges of the estate, there are large groups of angry peacocks. Oh. They could be peahens. I found out they make a very similar call. But they're out there hiding in the dark. Maybe they work with the foxes. Maybe they're like a gang. What do you think they put in the grass to make that fox care about it? You know, the one wearing a collar that we see in... <laughs> Same, they put the same scene in there. It's like they put some meat juice in the grass. Yep. So he'll run up to it and kind of lick it. Yeah. <laughs> then Amos teaches Michael how to shoot. And I am, nice. I'm nervous from the second the kid touches a gun. Oh, yeah. Like, and that, that whole thing is just there to go, maybe he killed Sandra. That kid does not need a gun. No. He's screwed up. He wears his shirts buttoned all the way up to his chin. He's yes. wrong. He's, he has no friends. He's a broken child. Broken, broken child. But you know. His, I got it. I killed the lamb. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Well, and he says that his team from school won at the Ashburton at Bisley. Yeah. Which is a, um, it's been going on for a long time, but now it's sponsored by the NRA in the UK. Mm -hmm. It's like a quasi kids military shooting competition. Yeah. Where they lay on their belly and shoot at stuff. Okay. And then Amos is like, well, I just happen to have a shooting gallery right here in the garage, in the barn, pulls the rope, it comes up, has no evidence of ever being shot before. But he's taught everybody at this shooting range. This whole thing about eyes, again, is wrong. <laughs> Listeners, if you're out there and you got a gun, the green eyed thing is wrong. Okay. Okay? Because mature foxes, 
have eyes that can reflect orange. Okay. White. Yes. Or green. Okay. Okay. So this green-eyed thing, yeah, not true. Okay. Other animals that have green eyes okay. in reflection are sheep, cats, dogs, <laughs> goats. Even with their weird rectangular uh, pupils? It's, uh, it's all about the depth of the lens to the back of the eye. Uh, okay. Right? So it's more the shape of the eyeball than the, than the pupil. Now, if you see a red reflection, it is one of two things. Okay. It is either... A rabbit. Yes. Or a crocodile. <laughs> I think they could be safe to say that it's a rabbit. There's no crocodiles in midsummer. But see, they're both going to be pretty close to the ground. Yes. So that could be tough. But, the sheep eyes that Michael sees in the woods look about shoulder height. <laughs> so I'm like, what's that sheep doing standing in a tree? Or standing up on its hind legs like a man sheep? <laughs> Maybe he's out there with the peacocks. <laughs> that kid should not have a gun. No. No, no. Definitely not. So everybody spreads out again. And Sandra is awakened by pebbles on her window. How does Annabelle do that? She must be a damn good throw as well as a good shot. <laughs> so she runs up to the house and throws the pebbles. And then when she sees the light come on. No, she oh, doesn't turn on She doesn't turn on a light. She runs back and hides behind the, like, ah. Oh. No, I'm thinking of Annabelle standing way back in the woods with tiny pebbles and an arm <laughs> just spinning her arm around. <laughs> and they just tap, 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 tap. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. Hey, it makes no she sense. can ride that four by four. She can. <laughs> Spray that paraffin everywhere. She's so, way more agile than you give her credit for. Sandra comes up to the window and... Hi, I'm in shooting range now. What's going on? Bambo. She even has, like, light in her face. So, is this the first gunshot wound shown in, like... Like, we see the wound. We've seen people get shot. Yes. But, like, if they're shot in the front, we see them from the back. Yeah. Um, or it's just a kind of a big blast. Yeah. I don't think we've seen anybody shot in the head. No. Up close. So she's shot above right her, above her eyebrow. Her eyebrow. And I think this is the first CGI in Midsummer for this. Now I didn't think it was CGI, but you convinced me because I thought they had put a prosthetic on her face. She kept that part of her face in the shadow, and then when she's supposed to be shot, she sort of rocks and that takes her sort of to the side so it's in the light all of a sudden it looks like it just appeared but you watched I, it frame by frame I, so because you're a maniac our children think we're strange we are it's um, okay i watched it frame by frame and her eyebrow and forehead are in the shot and the next frame the gunshots there so i think what sandra the actress did was walk up to the window then react like she'd been shot and fall over and they added it. They added it. Now, when it. she's on the ground, it's effects. It's yeah, not. It's, yeah, it's. It's not CGI. No. But there's a lot of blood, too. Well, yeah, because the back of her head would have exploded. Yeah. It would have been all Kennedy. Hot. <laughs> and the bullet keeps going into a picture frame across the room. Yeah, it's, it's a, a high-powered high, It is a high-velocity bullet going on. Yeah. 
Annabelle is not messing around. Damn good shot. Teddy raises inedible vegetables. Okay, so Teddy, his whole deal is that he makes gargantuan vegetables. He likes plants. They're, yeah. He can relate to Those them. Those are his friends. They're his friends. He tucks them in at night. They're not all gargantuan. His watermelons are actually quite petite. Yes. With their baby oil. Yes. But him injecting potassium chloride into his eggplant? Yeah. Not only would it not help them grow, it would make them poisonous. Well, he says that. He says that they're not for eating. He, he says it makes them taste bad. Yeah. So he's tried. <laughs> Which might explain a lot about Teddy. Well, <laughs> wait till we get to the end, because Teddy's in an act the whole oh, way. Yeah. But if he's been eating potassium chloride eggplants. Mm, potassium chloride eggplants. The thing is, is that potassium chloride is used as a fertilizer. Yeah. It, most people call it potash because it's filtered wood ash. And the potassium chloride... Uh, is filtered out. It's what's left after you soak wood ash and filter it several times. And like the bottle that he has of concentrated potassium chloride, which is weird that he's got it in a water bottle anyway. I'm glad he labels it anyhow. And this big syringe, which is terrifying. Giant syringe. You would, if you were actually a gardener, inject that amount, like what he's got in the syringe, you would inject that amount into your irrigation system for your whole greenhouse. Ah. And he's putting it in one eggplant. It's not how it works. It would kill it. It's not how vegetables work. No, it's not how any of this works. Aubergines. (laughs) At least they're not marrows. Yes. The inedible vegetable that people just grow. Yeah. To see how big they can get them. So Dickie rips up the pictures and then leaves the frames and the picture in the, in the bin right beside the picture frame. Well, he's stupid and he's used to people picking up after him. Yeah. Our kids would do the same thing. Yeah. And they're not stupid, but no. they are used to having people pick up after him. No. I'm not bitter. I haven't been cleaning up after kids lately. Okay, I have. So we find out that maybe Simon and Tara know each other. Because Simon has been arrested but not charged. Yes. For fraud and larceny. Yep. Around antiques of some sort. Yes. He's, he's Lovejoy, basically. Mm. Bad Lovejoy. Yeah. Bad Lovejoy. <laughs> bad, bad. He's loser Lovejoy. Loser Lovejoy. I like that better. Okay. Then Lucinda and Simon break into Ginny's bookshop. Yes. To steal the Rupert Brooke poetry book that would have come from the manor. Which, yeah. And apparently, even 10 years later, she still has it in stock. No one wants that stupid book. (laughs) (laughs) He's a well-known poet. I know. But that's the... And it looks like a nice edition. Yeah. Better than the paperback one they get from the library, Gossip Lady. Yeah. And they figure out that behind this ornate mirror is something... Is a pit to hell. (laughs) No, no. It's a priest hole. A place where you shove priests down. Apparently. (laughs) Priest holes are supposed to be a place for priests to hide from persecution. Well, you could hide down a giant hole. You'd be dead. (laughs) This is where we put the priests. At the bottom of this pit. It's like an oubliette. Simon (laughs) has that fancy little ladder. He does. I'm surprised he doesn't have like those crampon things you put on your feet. Like when you're climbing with the spikes, like he's ready. Why does the ceiling fall in down there? Um, because it does. Okay. Because he reached into that hole and um, 
Uh, Freddie's mom was so mischievous that she booby-trapped it. Oh, okay. If you move the box, the ceiling falls. It's kind of Indiana Jones. Speaking of Indiana Jones, Action Jones goes down the <laughs> hole and saves him. And pockets the box. Yes. Because <laughs> that's what you would do. Yes. It's evidence. Yes. But Simon is not having it. <laughs> I love Lucinda. Doesn't even know if he's going to live. And she's like, did he have anything with him? And they're like, well, aren't you going to go with him to the hospital? She's like... I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh. <laughs> Did no one notice that door before? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the door out in the garden. Yes. You'd think somebody would have noticed it and opened it and went, where does this go? Oh, it goes to the pit. This giant priest hole. It has all these bones at the bottom of it, wearing cassocks and crosses. <laughs> oh, that's just the priest pit. Never mind. You know, old houses have, have mysteries like that. The second autopsy. <laughs> Tom is sure that something nefarious happened to Freddie. He's positive. And Georgie keeps saying, oh, Tom, you need to get over it. It's not true. That's not what happened. Natural causes. Blah, 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 blah. And then he says, I've had a second look. And Tom's all excited. And then he goes, no, yeah, Freddie could. It's still natural causes. Freddie could not have had children. Because he had scrotal hypoplasia. Yeah. Thanks for letting me look that one up. <laughs> Just know that I did not click on the image tab. <laughs> That's good. All it means is that his testicles were underdeveloped. Oh, okay. They were like um, raisins. Nuts like raisins. Um, George's best line of the episode. Okay. Not like raisins. His nuts were, were raisins. raisins. Yes. Freddie would have known that. Yeah, think? <laughs> I would hope that he was self-aware enough to know that his bits were tiny and shriveled. Yeah. Because they would be. Yeah. Like, they're not unhealthy. Like, there wouldn't be any pain involved. But clearly... Visibly underdeveloped. Oh, the funeral. Bitch arrives. <laughs> In their van. It's bitch. <laughs> I love that. So Freddie has booked a band for his funeral. Yes. Called bitch. <laughs> now Don't the, sing. Thank now, God. Now this band just shows up. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I was under the impression that Tara arranged them no, on his no, instruction. No, no, I, because she's like, why are you here? Go away. No, she knows he wanted a party to celebrate his life. He says so in his video. That's, that's the kind of funeral he wanted. Though I think more people would have come. I think so too. Just to watch the train wreck. <laughs> The band leader has this awesome T-shirt on. That has rock on the, on the front, front. And roll, roll on, the, on back. the back. <laughs> he is rock and roll. The most interesting thing about the band is they have a left-handed drummer. Who has a lot of earrings. He sets up his drum set left-handed. Oh, you're like, so nerdy. Not like Ringo Starr, who was left-handed and played on a right-handed kit. But no. Because now we don't punish people for being left-handed. Yes. Well, Michael's the son of a tasty plumber. Did she eat him? He's not, though. She lies. She lies. She's the lying liar of lie dad. <laughs> because she knows who the father is. And it's Simon. Mommy? <laughs> a plumber? And then he's disappointed. Simon? I thought it was a plumber. It's just 
bad shirt, ugly guy. Oh. Yeah, you're common. Yeah. That's why the whole fancy act is not taking and you're just creepy. Yeah. Give me what you nicked from me. Okay, here's some glass. <laughs> That's such a sweet scene. It is. Because Lucinda and Simon are like, you're so stupid, you don't even know what these are. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then he crushes one and they're like, oh, foiled again. Damn you kids and your dog. <laughs> I went down the priest pit for these. <laughs> so Tom sends Jones to get a fake weapon at the funeral. The timing is all kind of weird here. Yeah. And to see who leaves. And this is a very Poirot scene where Tom has, he doesn't have to say, I've gathered you all together. No. Right? Because bitch is already there. Yeah, but it's very. Bitch! you got to remember it's an exclamation point. But it's very much a, you could have done it. You had this motive and opportunity, but so could you. Maybe you're the killer. It's totally. Agatha Christie time. And he's just killing time. Yeah. So that Jones can come in with a rifle in a bag. Yeah. For five seconds. Because the gun is missing. Yeah. And before Annabelle that, has stashed it somewhere and they haven't found it yet. So now they're pretending that they found it. So it would have her fingerprints on it. Except she wore gloves. Yes. So I don't know why. I don't know why she's upset. And and she's not until Tom says the first thing that makes it clear he knows that she did it. And then she just lets it go. Yeah. Now, so she says that, and then Tom talks to Teddy while he's playing cricket? Yes. Because that scene we see that Teddy is not anything like he has been. Oh, no. He's not senile at all. He just lets people think he is. Yeah. He's fully aware of what's He's going on. He's well aware that he has inherited everything. And he and Freddie have spoken at length about it. So Freddie knew that he wasn't Dulali either. Yeah. yeah. So Annabelle kills everybody. <laughs> it's not Teddy in the library with the candlestick. That's my favorite look. Yes. He's so cute. <laughs> Annabelle um, is played by Sean Phillips. Okay. She was in Dune. Yes, she was. And she was in Clash of the Titans. Yes, she was. That's true. Which is no small feat. No. Now, I haven't posed to you the second, that looks like a bad movie. I bet Mark's seen it. Okay. This Um, one stars Amos. Amos, okay. uh, Who's Leslie Schofield. Yep. Or Schofield. He was in a 1969 British movie. Okay. Called The Body Stealers. Oh, yeah. Now, it's not The Body Snatchers. No, no, Body Stealers. You've seen it. I think I saw this at the movie, th- at the drive-in. Do you remember the plot? Is this a Burke and Hare movie? No. No, I might not have seen it then. Bodies of NATO paratroopers are being snatched during routine jumps by a mysterious red beam of alien origin. Oh, no, I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> I need to desperately, though. I win! <laughs> I found one bad movie you haven't seen. Yes. Yes, one point for me. <laughs> no, I've never seen that movie. You're like Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. I can quote that movie. I know that movie by heart. <laughs> he was also in Star Wars. He was an Imperial yeah. Commander. Yep, yeah, he was. In Star Wars A New Hope. Not as good as uh Lloyd. Lloyd, but Yeah. All right, so Best Corpse. Okay. Oh no, wait. Well, so before we do Best Corpse, we have a new bumper. Yes. 
And the bumper sounds like this. Nice corpse. That's the best corpse bumper. Yes. So that's what we'll be using to announce the best corpse. So we've got Freddy. Yep. Henry. Yep. And Sandra. I'm going to say Freddy in a specific situation. Okay. Freddy in the coffin. Because you know he goofed around. I don't think that's him. We never see his face. Uh, the, I actually watched that scene twice with Annabelle uh, in the funeral home. You don't think it's his it goes face? From, it goes from necktie down. They never think. show his face. No. I'm going to give it to him. Because if that's not him in the second autopsy, they got a body double in. Because his legs and his feet are huge and pudgy and very, very blue. <laughs> and I would have a feeling that he would be like, oh, I get to be a dead body again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, you know, take off all my clothes except my undies and lay on that table. Yeah. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Freddie, too. Um, Sandra's gunshot's very compelling. But then she's just on the floor, and then she's she's gone. Yeah. Right. Okay, how about after the credits? Annabelle's going to jail. Okay, Annabelle goes to jail, and then the following things happen. Okay. Okay. Lucinda is sad and alone. Tara is sad and alone. No, no, she has Michael to keep her company. Dickie is sad and alone. Teddy parties all the time with his daughter. Amos is good, and bitch gets more gigs. <laughs> And the peacocks and foxes play in the woods. Yes. <laughs> the end. And I, I think that, um, that Jenny's going to be taken care of. Her bookstore's not doing well because she has a buy two, get three free offer. Oh, that's not on good. On the front door. <laughs> that's bad business. No, that's, she, she went to uni but didn't learn much. Mm-mm. So. All right, so that's Vixen's Run. Yes. What's up next? Up next is Down Among Dead Men. Yes. So that's the one where they go to the coast. Yes. It's the one with Mark Gaddis getting beheaded on the ride. No, 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 no. no. That's sort of Guillaume. Oh, you're right. No, 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 no. This is the wrong go- coastal episode. They, this is where they go to the coast and meet up with the guy who used to be the copper. Yes. Yep. Okay. It's the blackmailer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, another one with a blackmailer? Yes. I bet you somebody gets murdered, too. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Does it have Tom Barnaby and Jones in it, too? It's set in England. Whoa. May as well be this episode again. No. Again. Uh, You can find us on Miniature Summer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. Also, uh, post the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn, and we now run the subreddit for Midsummer Midsummer Murders. Murders. Send us your top five. Yep. And uh, I posted this morning on the uh, What's This Thing subreddit. There's a, a, an object on Freddy's dressing table yeah. in his dressing room that is, it looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, it looks like it's ivory, like a cylinder within a cylinder with a handle on top. And I really, really, really want to know what it is. Yeah, we don't know what it so is. So I tried to post it to What's This Thing on um, on the subreddit. It's in, I, got, I it, gotta tell you. It's up when, for moderation right now. If it gets posted and somebody answers, we will post a picture of the thing yeah. and an answer of what it is. When you text me from the other room, what is this thing, and send me a link, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm a little scared of clicking on that. Especially when you know I'm doing midsummer research. Yes. It could be scrotal hypoplasia. It could be. <laughs> Which you don't want to see. Like raisins. <laughs> on that note, bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs.
Why are these huge vegetable vegetable? Uh, 